Matt, we uh, set you on special assignment here at Software Defined Talk. <laughs> we we took some budget. Actually, we didn't take any budget, but uh, there has been a discovery. I think uh, something we we were notified there are tacos in Seattle. So um, we what we did is, and I think that Abby Fuller, you know, she's the official taco correspondent of Seattle. So she said that there were tacos there, but um, because we don't like to believe anyone just based on their own recommendation, we sent you specially to Seattle from Australia to oh, no. sample the Seattle tacos. So first, can you confirm Seattle has tacos? And then second, much more important, let's break down the taco scene in Seattle. <laughs> Well, I, I failed my mission. Um, <laughs> awful. Awful, awful. Yes, um, I did indeed travel from uh, from Australia to Seattle with the express purpose of eating tacos. And uh, jet lag destroyed me. Um, oh. Oh, yeah, I, I got here and, uh, you know, the, uh, the I think it was the, the seven-hour layover in L.A. <laughs> uh, I had no desire to go out. And then it was a lot of, you know, hey, uh, we could go out tonight or you could work on your talk tomorrow. And then and then after that, it was just downhill. So what happened? Uh, I even saw I, I was proud of you because you got there. I, I, I saw was, some I, Twitter action. you were like no, you were told there were tacos. You were given <laughs> recommendations, I think multiple recommendations. So you just I, yes, you never yes. made it out. So so I was I was priming the pump like, you know, I went to Twitter and I was like, all yeah. right, in a scant 20 hours, I will be in Seattle. Where should I go get my tacos? And then, you know, that twenty hours kind of destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> In twenty hours, which is which, you know, there's there's a, a couple, you know, maybe a dozen or so of us from from APAC, and you know, we all kind of have this like. Uh, <laughs> You know, look in all of our eyes. We're like, "Are you dead yet?" I'm dead. You know, it's just, you know, you 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 never get right on the sleep schedule. So you know, I get about six hours of sleep when I'm really jet lagged, and then I need a nap like in the middle of the day, yeah. or else I'm, you know, zombie like. And here we are, no tacos. So I'm um, sadly, uh, Seattle, it, you didn't let me down. <laughs> I, I let you down. Uh, but sadly, I'm going to have to report the best tacos I've had this year were in Denver. We're in Denver. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, there's still time left. I mean, maybe by some you know chance of fate, you'll get like a taco at the airport or something. I mean, which won't be officially a, a well, Seattle well, I mean, taco. I, okay, but... okay. I'm not going to hold this against Seattle, but I had a terrible burrito at the hotel. Ooh, that's not that... a good sign. That's not a good sign. <laughs> but again. That, that's Hyatt's fault. That's not Seattle's yeah, fault. Yeah, we won't rate down on Seattle that. All right, so we uh, – well, uh, you know, in addition to trying to eat tacos in Seattle, I think as a side trip, as a side thing, you also are attending ChefConf. Uh, yep, yep. And uh, give us the highlights of uh, ChefConf. And let's start with what I like to – because I, I maintain uh, ChefConf best uh, best DJ. There's a lot of – I mean, and I don't, don't mean any disrespect to all the other ones. I always thought, like, the best DJ was uh, ChefConf, at least the ones I went to. So is he still doing uh, oh, yeah, yeah. the intros? Yes. And, uh, like, let's get some highlights of what's happening at ChefConf this year. <laughs> so, so definitely the, the party is, is always a highlight. Um, well, so we, we have opening night. There's you know, just a big community party, which is – you know, it's a standard. You throw the party in the booth area. Uh -huh. Like I, I don't know if other conferences have, have gotten wind of this, but you want to throw a party in the booth area to make sure that all the people who sponsor your booth get a lot of foot traffic, right? And I mean, it, it seems like more recently they started doing a happy hour around the booths, and that that's a good thing, right? Right. I mean, as as somebody who sponsors you know events from time to time, you want you want that foot traffic, and you know the people having a little bit of a. Uh, liquid lubrication that that definitely helps get the conversations going you know maybe they might not remember you but whatever mm -hmm. um so that was that was you know the opening night monday and then tuesday you know a lot of us went kind of hard that first night um <laughs> <laughs> not 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 around the booths you know the, the party continued on uh other places um and so tuesday night uh Sh chef Kampf has a game night so um they bust out a whole bunch of board games, card games. Um, they get a bunch of areas. It's catered. You know, there, there's there's a, a bar there, but it's it's pretty low key, and it's just kind of a, a you know time to chill and and relax and, and hang out with people. You know, that's it's always appreciated. And then last night was the big you know the big party, and uh, so the big party was indeed DJed by uh, Derek Mazone, 
who, if you are a Seattle uh, listener uh, of, of uh, public radio or, or you like KEXP, um, he's got a, a pretty good show and he's been our like music coordinator for the last couple of years. So he, he does a great job. Um, and then he, you know, he kind of has like a side gig doing, you know, event production and, and helping out with that stuff. And so he, uh, lined us up with some, some pretty sweet bands. Um, and, and there's, there's also a bit of a, like a personal connection. So we, we had mud honey <laughs> play our, uh, our company party. And I don't know if mud honey's played a lot of corporate events. <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was very good. It was, it was, it was very good. And, uh, uh, yeah, they, uh, uh, it was like having your own little, you know, private mud honey party. All so right, for, uh, for those of us not in the know on mud yes. honey, like, like what, like what kind of band are they? Like what, what do we need to know? Oh, okay. So mud honey is one of the like grandfathers of grunge. Okay. Uh, I mean, this is a band that like, you know, they'd been uh, probably been around for, for a couple of years when Soundgarden and, and, uh, and Nirvana and, and the like were coming up. And so, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of in the, uh, the Iggy and the Stooges kind of vein of, you know, loud, fast and, and hard and, um, you know, uh, yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> I actually think that's sort of, um, yeah, that? kind of a, a, a punky grunge band. Right? Well, I think that's awesome because like one, uh, I'm putting myself in this category as well as you, like, uh, firmly in the Gen X, probably middle of the Gen X demographic. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. so it's interesting that you're. So here I, I, we, here I, we are. Like we'll just say, literally, we're... the last time I saw these guys was 23 years ago. I was gonna say, <laughs> uh, here we are. Like clearly not in our 20s. I think we could reveal that without. And uh, and it's so it's funny. Like here you are at a corporate event, and they're playing like you yeah. know a. I have to say, I did not know them, but a, a grunge band from back in the day, which seems, oh, yeah, and, of yeah. course, in Seattle, of course. So that's like the perfect. Exactly. Uh, I would assume many of us are in this demographic of where we love, you know, some grunge music. So that's sort of probably when we were teenagers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in Seattle. I mm-hmm. you know, saw them at Liberty lunch, right? You remember Liberty lunch? Of course. <laughs> of course. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, a institute institution of, of grunge and, um, it was fun. I mean, I, you know, we, we kind of had this conversation last night. It's like, I, you know, we've been to, we've all been to a fair number of conferences at least. And, you know, we've seen a lot of bands feeling rather awkward about being, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're paid well to, to play the, the gig. It's, you know, as a band, it's a very low pressure gig, right? Cause you're not in front of your hardcore fans. Yep. <laughs> you're in front of a bunch of people who are like, you know, there's, there's going to be, you know, a handful of people who really like that band and they're super excited they're there. And then there's a lot of people who's like, I'm going to go stand in the back with my drink and, you know, try to have a conversation with my coworkers. And, you know, but the, the funny thing was we were, it was at the Paramount theater, which is a, I guess a, kind of a Seattle icon. It's kind of like the Austin Paramount really. And like Neil Young played there last night or the night before. Right. So, I mean, it's like, it's a full on real, you know, I mean, last year we were house of blues. So it's, you know, you know, a real, real venue, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, the real venue also had like a buffet line, uh, in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, between some of the, one of the songs, uh, uh, Mark Arm, the, the singer for Ramona Honey's like, Hey, you, I've seen you hit that buffet six times, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 yeah but I mean, they, they, you know, they're, uh, they clearly had a good time. They, they did a really good set. And, uh, and then there was a, another local band that played uh, deep sea diver and, uh, uh, you know, I'd never heard them, but they were, they were also very good. So that's probably a testament to, to Derek. Uh, you know, he's on top of the music scene, so he got us a, a really good band that everyone liked. And then, you know, they, the, the chef, chef comp house band of, uh, you know, various current and former employees and, uh, you know, partners and stuff. Uh, they, they played a couple songs and, you know, uh, Adam Jake, who got to, according to him, the only reason he started Chef was so he could, you know, play in a band on on at the Paramount. So, <laughs> and he did it. He achieved it. What? Uh, what? Is oh yeah, he... yeah. I mean, he, he, last year he got to do House of Blues, and then in Austin, he, you know, you know. So, um, what is know, his he... uh, instrument of choice? What is what does he do? Uh, guitar. Guitar. Okay, yeah, so. interesting. So, it, it's funny because there's like you know eight people on stage, and you know there's five guitars, and you know there's probably there's, you know, always one or two folks who are like, you know, 
well, we've got a couple guys who actually like tour and, and, you know, play in real bands and stuff. And then, uh, but then there's, you know, the, the five rhythm guitarists. <laughs> yeah. So what did Adam, uh, and everybody should go, in fact, you, you and me, Matt, we interviewed Adam, uh, on our yeah. software defined, uh, interviews. So he's, uh, did he come out and do like a keynote or anything or like a, yeah, a talk yeah, at uh, ChefConf, right? Yeah. So we, uh, I imagine I, I can probably track it down, but the, uh, uh, he had the the closing keynote yesterday, and uh, it was it was uh, you know if, if you know Adam, it was very much uh, par for the course. Where he he said, you know, this is how things are, and you know, he's like, I'm retired from day to day stuff. You guys uh, no longer have your benevolent dictator, but everything's in good hands, <laughs> and uh, you know, don't fuck it up. <laughs> don't mess it up. Well, that's good. That's cool that he. Uh, I mean, that's a good sign, right? That just I think it's always like a good indication that things are on good terms. And as if you, for oh, those yeah. of you that have listened to that interview, right? You know, you you, you kind of get very much an insight into like his mentality and I yeah, think, and yeah. Kind of I mean, like, he's you know there 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 are a lot of other companies that have had like you know their their you know prominent founders leave and then have like nothing to do with the company that they left. Um, Adam's on our board of directors, so. He's still in Slack and, you know, piping in and, you know, he's, he's doesn't have a day job at chef, but you know, he's on the board and, you know, still has access to everything. So yeah, and he's obviously in the community a lot. So you, can, yeah, it sounds definitely. like you can uh, get a hold of him pretty quickly. Like if you want to like, yeah. need help with, I don't know, yeah. all, the, all yeah. that is chef. Yeah. But he also was very adamant, like, you know, I'm out here, I'm playing video games and Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, hanging out with my kid and. I'm not starting another company. I'm just enjoying this for now, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, he seemed like he legitimately wanted, you know, we make fun of it or I make fun of it. Like, hey, I want to take time off with my family. But I think in his case, he is legitimately taking time off with his family. I think we have firsthand knowledge of that. He's yeah, not yeah. doing anything professionally. Yeah, so, cool. So, he, he, yeah. Uh, right, well, so, yeah, Chef Crump was, was pretty good. Any major announcements? Anything we need to know? New versions of Hibernate or I don't know. Whatever. Habitat. Habitat. <laughs> Hibernate's the database mapping tool I, I, I mean, know it know, uses. Habitat, I'm yeah. a little bit out of the loop on my, my Hibernate, but uh, ORM <laughs> is a thriving market um, for Chef. Um, no, no, no. I, we we uh, definitely we had a couple of announcements. We demoed um, – integrations between habitat and, and chef automate you know the the funny thing is is like now that our you know our, all of our software projects are open source it's it's harder to do those big bang announcements <laughs> you know because we we we've opened up like you know the the weekly demos and you know tr triaging of tickets and discussions of roadmap that's all public facing now right so there were you know it used to be you could surprise everybody you know, and people are like, oh, I saw that behind a feature flag, right? Or, you know, that, you know, you guys showed that at, you know, the, the public demo and now you're showing it again on stage. You know, it's not, I don't know, you, you lose a little bit of the impact, but uh, we had, uh, you know, we demoed um, a thing that we're calling uh, effortless infrastructure and uh, effortless compliance that essentially ties Habitat and Chef and Habitat and Inspect together and um, allows you to just really just point at a box, drop a Habitat Chef stack on it, and it hardens and reports in, you know, it's like, boom, that box is, you know, that Windows machine is now hardened and compliant and reporting. Um, and, and literally like two steps. I like and, it. I love the I, name. Uh, I just, just quick shout out, just quick aside, like, who are the market whoever came up effortless that's so nice it just like ties into the serverless stuff yeah. right it has this nice and also it's like an adjective it tells you exactly like at least what the value is so whoever did i mean listen let's not gloss over these are the important details i care about effortless <laughs> i'm like i'm all in on that that moniker so yeah. Yeah. well done well done marketing chef people or yep, whoever yep. came up with it yeah marketing uh marketing does does a, does a good job and then uh also demoed um a a uh, I think they call it the enterprise application migration tool, uh -huh. and it's essentially like you point it at a Windows two thousand three two thousand eight uh, IIS currently, but you know we'll, we'll onboard other applications. You point it at a running IIS app, and it scoops it up off that Windows box, creates Habitat plan for it, checks it into CI/CD, pushes it out and then deploys it into, you know, your uh, Windows platform of choice. So they took a, 
a, a 2005, 2008 IIS application running on top of SQL Server. And then, you know, they demoed moving it to 2016 and to Windows Server containers, you know, and this app, you know, I mean, not, not that app, but you can imagine having an enterprise that, you know, I, I know a couple firsthand that have, you know, hundreds of simple IIS apps that have been sitting there for years, you know, m- many years. <laughs> and, and like, they never had CICD. You know, they never had any code reviews. They weren't in source control, but now they are, right? So um, it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I like it. Hey, Matt, did you hear Windows Server 2008? Did you hear it was end of service life in, in January? Are you familiar? Yeah. Did you, has anyone told you that? Yeah, we might have mentioned the good word. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, it sounds like you, you and I need to talk after the podcast. We need to like, I, you know, whenever I hear like, oh, we got a tool for migration. I'm like, I need that. Need that. And I just want to, you know, like the, the Batman utility belt. All right. I'm adding that to the belt. I just, yeah. I, you, you can't have. Uh, there are not enough 2008 migration. You know, normally I would say something like, there's just too many tools. Why does everyone keep building stuff? Now I'm, I'm saying it the other way. It's like, no, there are an infinite number of things that are on 2008 that need to be moved. So that I am fine if there are an infinite number of tools. Just email me them and, I mean, I mean, and tell me what yeah. they do because I'll, 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 I'll remember and I may call you and I may need that one. You know, the, the, the end of life for, for Microsoft operating systems are like the new Y2Ks. <laughs> It's like they're little mini gold rushes, right? You know, you had the you had the big California gold rush, but don't forget Alaska had a gold rush and and Australia had a gold rush. You know, there there were a couple that followed quickly behind uh, the big ones. So, uh, you know, I set your clock. You know, 2016, uh, end of life's I guess in another eight years. <laughs> well, I guess we got. 2012 and four years. Yeah, 2012. I mean, that's good. Before 2016, we got it. 2012, just three years away, right? And I think so. This um, this was going to, you know, I was I was going to say this later, but I think this is a good good place to interject it. So there's a lot of conferences. I'm going to talk a little bit about Cube uh, CubeCon here in a second about what's going on. But I've been thinking to myself, I'm like, what what would I do if I was in charge of conferences? So here's my this is my conference proposal for everyone. I think we have a conference called just called Legacy Conf. It's all this legacy conf. and the way it is is uh, it's like this case. Like so, you basically take the technologies that are anywhere between five and fifteen years old, and that's the focus of the company or the conference. So it's like in this whoa, case, whoa, 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 whoa. The, the keynote would be something like, uh, and it would just be like so. The conference would be like, hey, you using Windows two thousand eight? You got some old JBoss? You got some WebLogic? You got some stuff that like you think is. Uh, you know, no one's using it anymore. Or like you have no idea what, no idea what to do. You got uh, ten thousand SQL Server two thousand eight databases. Got some mainframe applications. Come on down. This is the conference for you. And so it's all built around all the technology that was popular five to ten years ago. That you're completely, you know, you're just like something is happening. And so oh. this year, the keynote would be if we were play, legacy conf would be like it would be like the Windows two thousand eight transformation keynote where we talk nothing about. We start with like. Probably start with someone from uh, Microsoft or someone else talking about like what was good about 2008, and then all the crazy stuff that went went wrong. Went wrong. Like you're not going to believe what all this crazy stuff. And then we went into here's the migration, right? Here's how you can get off it. And it's just all it is is people talking about uh, technology like that they've used for like five or ten years that they probably have to get off of, or they need to migrate from, or they're just trying to deal with some problem. So it's like so it's like nothing about containers. Like containers well, don't well, even exist in this conference, right? It's like well, that, it's like a the future thing. they don't even know about. It's just like what. <laughs> am I going to do with this crazy legacy technology? Um, And so I want to build an entire, and like there'd be a Windows 2000 track, a mainframe track. We'd have like all the old, like, what is it, Java 10? We'd be talking about Java, what, 6 or Java 5? Like, just like what's going on? And and I think, and again, I want it to almost be like part conference and part support group. Like, you can come here and you don't have to pretend that you know what's going on with uh, the latest service mesh, right? We're not that worried about that. We're oh, really no. worried about helping you with your current problems. Right. So that's right. what that's the conference I want. <laughs> Legacy Comp. My, my, start, my, my snark levels are, are about to explode. <laughs> I think it's so, going to sell out. All, this could be a huge all, idea. Like, like Legacy Comp, you have to set your, 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 uh, your window farther back. Five years ago, Doc, uh, Kubernetes just had their fifth birthday. Oh, okay. So yeah, so maybe maybe more yeah, like yeah. The eight, we're eight to twenty 10. years. I think okay. we're looking at ten, right? So uh-huh. ten that'll that'll keep the Docker out of your conversation. Um, you know, you, you you still have a little vitriol up about about uh, 
uh, Oracle by and Sun. You're still yep. kind of upset about that. Yeah, yeah, um, oh, yeah. Definitely. That's a breakout <laughs> session. That's a, definitely a breakout. That's session. a breakout session. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, a Sun postmortem. Oh, just um, like a Solaris. Brian can what Brian Cantrell, right? We have him there. Yeah. Just like he's probably well, a keynoter. He's probably he's like the keynote emeritus, right? You just yeah. get him out. Uh, yeah, and. But but the thing is, like, I'm pretty sure those conferences already exist. They're all IBM conferences. <laughs> oh, wow, wow, big uh, blue, just just man, that was. No, 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 I. I no, I hey, can't. it hurt. I, I it's I, I, funny because it's kind of true, probably. So, but they're not uh, the only ones. I, I mean, they're not the only ones. I think uh, you know, coming out of uh, the KubeConf, uh, you know, we've seen uh, a fair amount of snark. I, I've uh, upped the level of of. Uh, Listening to uh, to Corey Quinn uh, as he like you know live tweets the the conferences uh, the the Kube, the KubeConf and and it you know one of the things that was kind of pointed out was like it's very much like OpenStack where mm-hmm. you know you've got a lot of you know quote unquote legacy vendors and they are you know they're popping in and trying to maintain relevance and it's like you know what does this enterprise company have to offer in this new world and they're like you know hey uh did, did you guys remember ldot <laughs> <laughs> or or you know hey do you have you know backups of your you know block storage and it's just like oh yeah uh, no but, i like and, it though but listen i i, I before we get off and before and we'll, we'll move on to something else like i understand like to some degree your point is well taken any vendor that's been around for some period of time up at ibm oracle um, it probably you know, yeah. uh, many other vendors we could put in the same areas. Like to sure. some degree, you're absolutely right. The conferences are about those groups of people coming together to talk about, you know, because obviously if you go to a company like that, that like you've been using the products for a long period of time. But I just like the idea of like just, you know, if you will, bringing everyone together just to talk about the legacy stuff. So it's not even like it doesn't have to be tied to a specific vendor because this is the other part of that same conversation is like the truth is. There isn't just like an IBM customer and just an Oracle customer. It's like, you know, usually all these places have everything, right? They've got like well, some Oracle databases and they got some IBM WebSphere and they got whatever, many that, other that, things. So yeah. it'd be great to like, just to be like, just acknowledge, like, we know you guys bought like two things I, I think that we brought into the, out of the darkness into the, into the light would be like one, most large companies buy lots of stuff from lots of places, right? So that's one. And two, a lot of times it is getting old and it it's hard to figure out what to do next. So just allowing like more of those conversations to happen across vendors as well as across companies, it would just be like a breath of fresh air. Like you don't have yeah. to like you don't always have to be talking about the latest and greatest well, thing and ignoring the past. And, and and we don't need to call it legacy conf. What we need to call it is enterprise production conf. Yeah, because oh, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you, we probably just doubled. Them... You know what? We just doubled the ticket price right there. <laughs> that was a good, good add-on. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll we'll sell out our platinum sponsor list pretty fast. <laughs> I think um, but but uh, that's kind of the point, though. Is, is you know the conversation about like, oh, you calling stuff legacy? It's you know the legacy is these things are production applications that have been running for you know, tens of years and, you know, 20, 30 years in some places. And, you know, I can't tell you how many, I, like literally last week, I researched AS400. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. No, I just, you're right. I love this idea. Like maybe I was, I mean, I'm sort of unintentionally being derogatory about it. It's like prod comp, production comp, enterprise yeah, prod. Yeah. Like that enterprise really is what, that's the, that's right, the reality. That's what's happening yeah. there. I mean, I was talking to a, a customer uh, yesterday and, and they're like, well, we could put it on this VMware farm or we could do it with this OpenStack over here. Or this, well, and we've got, you know, we've got all three of the public clouds. And then it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa tap the brakes. Why don't we just make a list of what you don't have? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, because it was like, well, we'll, we'll put that, we're going to put this workload on our Oracle private cloud. And, and, and somebody, you know, kind of turned to me and was like, do, do we support that? I was like, I wrote that stuff five years ago. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, so you know, there, there's a lot of stuff out there, and and you know, this company, among many others, they're running production workloads on these, you know, these stacks that they're not as uh, exciting as, as your KubeCon and, and you know, DockerConf and hopefully ChefConf, but uh, you know, they're 
they're they're looking to move forward and and you know they don't want to rewrite the world i love it all right well mark it down listeners enterprise ProdConf. you know that'll be the first uh software defined talk conference we put together at some point in the future <laughs> no idea uh, date to be decided all details to be decided sponsorships so, are open no sponsorships no. are open <laughs> absolutely sponsorships and matt speaking of platinum sponsors Yes. Uh, you know, what if you had some problems like looking at log files? You had any ideas of like maybe a solution that people could use to make their life a little easier? Yeah, I do. So uh, this episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their web APM tools, Logly. Uh, when there is a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or combing through endless screens of events. Let Logly aggregate, manage, and summarize your log data so you quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. Logly streamlines troubleshooting with fast interactive search capabilities over massive log volumes, even across long time periods. The powerful analytics allow you, allow you to visualize your log data and spot trends and anomalies before there's an issue. With Logly, you can spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating. It's a scalable cloud-based log management system that won't break the bank. Learn more or try it free for 14 days. Just go to logly.com SDT. If it logs, it can go to Logly. Fantastic. And of course, we uh, thank our friends of SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. And when you sign up for Logly, make sure to tell them your friends at Software Defined Talk sent you. All right, Matt. So this was the week of uh, KubeCon. And I mm -hmm. guess this was the one in Europe. So there is a little, you know, as I like to say, like my strategy for all conferences is just to watch the keynotes online. I will say this was hard, though, because uh, I <laughs> did not get up in the middle of the night to see all the keynotes. So I was mostly uh, kind of, you know, doing the Cliff Notes Twitter version of like what was happening over there. So a couple things kind of jumped out at me. Like one, I guess the bigger, I don't know, I don't even want to say the biggest announcement, but one of the main announcements I saw a lot. Uh, was that Microsoft has uh, in, uh, announced a new service mesh uh, project, I guess, and service mesh interoperability. And I have to say, you know, I don't right, know. Right. I, 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 I didn't like, you know, I didn't get up for this. I wasn't, I'm, like, I'm not upset that they did this, but I was just like, man, an, another more is it, is service it time mesh? for this? <laughs> I just, I, I just was sort of like, even reading through it, I was just like, I don't know. I mean, this is probably important, but. Unless you not only do you have to like get into Kubernetes, but you really need to be like you know living and breathing kind of the service mesh stuff, and, 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 you... and worrying about multiple service meshes. Yeah, and it, it's I mean, like... we're down to like you know, a, I mean, I don't know how many companies have this problem. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's kind of where I was starting. Was just like I, I don't know, man. Like, what like is just is it just like in five years, you know, in five or ten years, this will be an important standard that we should care about because they did. I guess IBM and a few other you know major vendors were on board as well, but it's it's just like I I don't know. I guess to me, I just was like I don't even know what to do with this. Like other than being aware of this, I think next week I will have totally forgotten about it, and I'll just be like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even necessarily know why. It's not even like why should I care. It's like why should I even read this? You know that that kind well, of well, moment. But why why is this a headline announcement? But why is I, service I, mesh? I guess that's the whole thing. It's like. It's not that we don't understand. Like I, I, I guess let's step back. It's like yes, you have the containers, and they start talking to each other. It, it can become a complicated thing, and like having some kind of mesh networking to work this out is certainly an important problem. But it just, yeah. I don't. It feels like there's so much emphasis on just the service mesh concepts inside of you know running containers. Um, and, you know, to use an overused phrase like over index, it's like. Like every single conference is like another standard or more talk about it or how to do it. Um, and then it's kind of followed by like something, sometimes people then at the end will say, but, but we don't really want people messing around or then we don't want people to have to know about it, but like everyone keeps talking about it. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you, how do you make sense of this? Is it something, do I need to care about service mesh? Should I be no. reading more about it? <laughs> like what should I be doing with this? <laughs> I mean, snarky answers aside, it's, it's, the people who probably care are the large cloud vendors because they're going to have customers who've picked one of these mini service mesh tools and need to interface into, you know, your GKS, AKS, or G GKE, AKS, you know, uh, whatever, Amazon, Kubernetes. You know, it, it's you want to allow people to bridge their meshes into your mesh. Um, that's probably, if I had to guess, like who is driving this. And so, you know, obviously IBM and Red Hat are going to care about like bringing their customers into 
public clouds or you know larger uh, networks. So I mean, it's definitely a thing, and I can see like if if you are, and I, and I, and I get why like the enterprise vendors get excited about it because it's yet another place to apply access controls. <laughs> <laughs> but but as like an end user, you don't care. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing. I mean. Kubernetes is exciting and, and, and in fact, you know, I mean, there's a lot of really amazing, interesting things happening, but for most end users, you don't care. And, and it's, it's really at this point, like fine, you know, it's like, it's like going to a plumbing conference and getting excited about like the new, you know, brass solder. It's like, yeah, but all I want to do is flush a toilet, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that brings us to like, you know, I almost feel like with Kubernetes, it's like, this is like the mid-year review. Right, like so this is like the middle of the year, because uh, they had. Well, you know, I, and that's the problem. Every well, but six I think okay, you have I, to have something to talk about. I want right? to like step back. So I was thinking maybe we should like step back from like because I like to go into the snark, of course, too, and just say okay, well, well, maybe the way to think of this is more like like if this if Kubernetes like if we did this whole community, it was just a company, right? Okay, like they're having like a mid-year offsite to kind of update each other on like what's going on, the roadmaps yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like – but it really – unless you're like deep in it, like to your point, like you're a cloud vendor deploying a lot of this or trying to figure out your next version of it. Like I don't know if um, – like there's much you need to, to, to really be watching here or like or much you have to do. It's like maybe you know that it went well, on, read an article or two, listen to a little software-defined talk. But like I don't think there's like much you really need to do. And I, the other analogy I use here is, is like – you know. It's like when people are like building these platforms of platforms or these tools, like sometimes it's okay to say like, hey, it's like it's like a pie we put in the oven. Things are just baking. There's like kind of nothing to do right now. You can't eat it. We've already put it in there. People are building it out. Like Don't when open it's the ready, oven too many times, you're going to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to mess it up. Stay out of it, right? When it's really ready – Right, like what you should be doing is probably focusing in on <laughs> back to Windows 2008. No, what you should probably be just doing is trying to figure out, like, okay, which one of these cloud vendors, or like, do you want to move to the public cloud? Which services, you know, like, how would you do it? But just just kind of looking at like what what's available, like on the, if you will, on the truck right now, and also too, just sort of like getting your organization like back to the stupid DevOps culture stuff. But like, hey, is my organization kind of ready to move to it? So like, I almost right, just think right. like, that's probably what like most you know people listening to this podcast or are certainly in the broader technical community should probably be doing like the fact that like and again like i just follow a lot of these people on twitter so this it's not an indictment of them it's just like it's like wow man it's like everybody went to this conference but then i was like well they're all people that i know that kind of work at vendors or like you know they're really into it but they're not a lot of like it didn't feel like a lot of like customer facing opportunities that were happening there yeah um, yeah so I don't know. I guess it's just a way to be because there was like one of the articles in the show notes this week was like you know at peak hike and hype of Kubernetes is and I think the headline sort of like clickbaity Kubernetes hopes to survive the boom and bust cycles of cloud services and then of course there's always the OpenStack references you know I like to make them as too and it's like well to give it a fair shot it's like you know it's just like I said it's just baking right now and we should probably like leave it alone for like a while and just and not you know almost spend it back to like not check in for a while be like you know just well and and it's definitely it's not like it's not like people aren't using it in production i i mean one of the you know interesting things about the chef conf is how i've definitely seen you know hasn't happened in apac yet but but there's definitely been a big jump in real world kubernetes usage and and i had a conversation with a retailer the other day and they're like well, we want to deploy two or three thousand Kubernetes deployments, <laughs> and I was like, "Are you serious?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're just going to put one in each store, right?" And we've got you know legacy hardware, and it's you know we we can take advantage of all that hardware that's just sitting there. You know, we'll throw a couple new devices in there, but we don't have to rebuild the world. It's like that's an awesome use case, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 we got and then we went into a you know fairly serious conversation of like well is K3S the right solution because they don't need all the bells and whistles you know and they're at ChefConf not at KubeCon and they're talking about putting out you know thousands of Kubernetes deployments um, and so it's you know you don't have to be on the bleeding edge anymore you know and now it's there's there's a nice stable middle use case for a lot of people. And so that's the, you know it's kind of gone over the the hype cycle. Um, we're 
I don't like this trough of disillusionment. What's the part where you're just happy with what you got? <laughs> uh, plateau of productivity. So that's usually, there you go. That's sort yeah. of much later. So in this case, you're saying like they have found a little plateau because it sounds like they probably aren't uh, like you know like reading up on the latest service measure. They've made some decision around like okay, this is what this is like. When you say Kubernetes, they're like okay, we know how we're going to package it up. We know what it this installation or this version of it has what we need and, and we're just going with that. Like, is that yeah, you know, yeah, generally yeah. what's happening there? Yeah. I mean, they're like, we, you know, and you know, they want to use, they want to use, you know, Habitat to just roll out like updates to their stores of the Kube stuff. And like, well, that's, that's a pretty useful use case, you know, um, just, so, you know, I, I and, and they're not the only ones. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of edge Kubernetes, which is a really interesting use case. Um, but also a lot of shops that have got like, you know, the big deployments and they're like, you know, we took that, that data center over there that was running VMware and that other one that had some cloud stack and we just, you know, paved them over and threw some Kubernetes on them to re, you know, to retake the hardware. And so, you know, the, the beauty, I mean, the service mesh stuff, you know, that's a bit in the weeds, but the real beauty of it is it's like, it just, you know, finally abstracts away the, you know, whatever you're on top of. Right. Um, you have to care and, and which is why which is why you need this interoperability stuff is because you know I, customers with like you know OpenStack and CloudStack and VMware and Oracle Private Cloud they're paving over that stuff you know <laughs> yeah um, as much as they can right well I mean you know and then or consolidating moving things into you know that's the data center the, that's the production data center or heritage applications. Um, you know, it's not legacy. <laughs> not legacy. That's a heritage. Yeah. Heritage is heritage. a new legacy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I do like, so, I mean, maybe that's, and maybe it's just sort of like as we, as someone just consuming information about Kubernetes, you, you know, the the thing that I often hear people say a lot of times in these talks, or a lot of times on Twitter too, is like Kubernetes is a, a platform for building platforms, which is fine for people to say. So I almost feel like at the conference, it's like, you know, if we were designing tracks, it's it's kind of being more obvious around, okay, now we're talking about the platform to build platform side of it, right? Which is, I'm going to put this service mesh stuff inside there, right? It's like, really, that is a subset of people, right? If you are the kind of people, usually the major cloud vendors and a few other people that are really trying to use, quote, Kubernetes, the platform to build the platform, you need to really care about this. The rest of us, you know, that is, that is a different track, right? That is like, I'm trying to use Kubernetes to manage retail stores. You know, I think that's a whole separate thing. And I think, you know, I guess that's just sort of, looking at the conference sometimes, I think there's just so much mixing of information. Um, and that's why I think people come back and start saying that, right? It's why you see like, you know, some of the, I don't know, tech luminaries say something to the effect of like, Hey, uh, it's a platform to do platforms. They're trying to keep people from getting out of, out of the deep end, if you will. And so, um, I don't know. I just think that's something I think the, and again, it wasn't at the conference for all I know, maybe it was perfectly designed this way, but I just sort of like <laughs> as a consumer of it, I'm just like, you know, when, when, when am I like way in the weeds here and winners are something that like we really think is a general uh, solution that everyone thinks to know about. So I don't know. That, that would be my hope going forward for yeah. Kubernetes because um, I think OpenStack kind of suffered for that as well. Right. And it's, and it's not to say this is easy. I don't, you know, I always want to come back to like, I get it. Like, you know, when you're doing this, it's it's uh, it's a complicated thing, and maybe the lines are a little bit blurry. But I think it's important to just acknowledge that some lines have to exist somewhere. <laughs> Set lines, they got to exist. That's right. Anytime you got two points, man. That's right. Absolutely. Well, the other thing I think, I don't know, just because we have, uh, we always have friends in the software defined talk Slack uh, that are digital ocean, ocean. So they uh, officially uh, their Kubernetes service is now generally available. I have to say, I, I thought I thought it already was. So, but congratulations, guys. <laughs> yeah, I you, didn't realize it. You and me both. Uh, like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they announced it was beta six months ago. Yeah. At the last Kube. You know, maybe that's why. For us, though, it's all the same. It's like, yeah, just you know, dig when, when DigitalOcean gets a hold of it, it, usually means they've made it easy. That's what I think of when I go to DigitalOcean. Yeah. They've usually like it's usually pretty simple and easy to use. So the fact that it's generally available, my guess is it's probably pretty simple and easy to use if you're just trying out some Kubernetes stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, it. You know, a whole lot of people having a good time. Uh, looks like uh, the party scene. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of tweets about the parties and I'm just having flashbacks of OpenStack summits. <laughs> there is. I mean, I do think it, you, you can put a target on yourself, right? When you're like a big, like industry organization, putting on a conference in like really, really nice areas 
that um you know and having like really you know great entertainment and great parties like that does open yourself up to a little bit of of like you know what's the goal here kind of thing but you know i don't know at the same time like i get it you know it's like you're working well, all this stuff. You want to go have fun, right? I mean, if you're going to go to a conference, you want to go have fun. But there, you know, again, it's it's a balancing act. I think it's always always kind of hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, right right afterwards, there'll be the the people bouncing to new jobs. Um, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> uh, I mean, you know, not that I know anything, but uh, yeah. But but speaking of, of targets, uh, you know, we've got uh, uh, a couple of links have come up in the last week uh, about security stuff. I know that's always near and dear to your heart, Brandon. Yeah, I did, and it, it was good. So this week, uh, Google actually did some research, which is always good. They partnered up with, uh, you know, Google's probably the best at this. They're always like, we're going to go work with real academic researchers <laughs> and, like, figure stuff out. And it's like, oh, bringing some real social science to this. I love it. Uh, so, Matt, this just in, right? Uh, it turns out that if you use second-factor authentication, that one, you're going to be a lot safer. That's probably not news, but you know, there's been this ongoing debate where now we're talking about like way in the weeds of like, well, like is SMS secure? Can you use it as a sec? You know, just getting a text message with the code. So it turns out that actually helps quite a bit. It's I guess it was like 75% of attacks were prevented by using you know essentially the SMS code. So I think we've been talking about that like on and off for you know like what do you tell your family to do and and it's like you know. Sure, it'd be great if you had a secure token. You know, shout out to YubiKey and all the other people doing that. Um, but for like the normal people, and I use this quite a bit for a lot, lots of different sites. Like, you know, just doing a second factor authentication via text message is pretty good, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, it, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like basic herd immunity, right? It's like it's like you know, yes, you've had your flu vaccine, but you could still get it. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, but but you're safer. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, and it's also, it's like pretty simple. I think I, that's the thing I like, especially I know you're uh, on, and maybe this is on Android, but now, you know, uh, the iPhone, the latest iOS has gotten so smart, right? Like when you get the actual text message, it'll parse it for you and you just click on it, right? So you don't even necessarily have to like cut and paste the code anymore. Uh, it makes it super easy to do that. And then uh, the other like little factoid I liked in there was uh, they talked about, so if you are like a spear phishing attack, right? Spear phishing uh, is, is when somebody like wants to get your information specifically. Yeah, they're coming for you yeah and it, it yeah. costs like anywhere from like i think they had 700 to a thousand dollars right like mm-hmm. someone will do a spear phishing attack on a person for you so that was an interesting statistic about one in a million so one in a million people are actually subject to some type of uh you know spear phishing attack and i think obviously you know you can probably do some quick assessment of yourself like are you a high value target like do you Whoa. have something so so back yeah. to like you so know seven thousand people a year yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things though too it's like you know it's just like you know, because again, I think sometimes we always think about like how worried should you be able should you, should you be about anything? It's like, well, I mean, if you've done the text messaging two factor authentication, and you know you're not a high value target, then you know, like you're getting pretty safe. Like you probably can move on yeah. to other parts of your life that are more risky, right? And, and so I thought that was good. And another thing I liked. Um, it's just, you know, what they call like a on-device prompt, right? And I think, you know, that's clearly the future, and that's just where, right, the apps have taken some step to integrate um, with some mobile apps. You just, like, click click on something. You just say, okay, and that way you don't even have to enter the codes, right? Because that's right, really, right. really hard to get. So Well, like like they know you've got your, you know, your phone or whatever is hooked up to, I don't know, you know, Amazon, and they're like, you know, hey, you just bought a whole bunch of stuff in Bolaris, uh you know, click here on your on the phone to verify that you know you meant to buy that. Yeah. Just because they've got they've got that other link to you somewhere else. Yeah, and that's perfect. Yeah. Right? So they have like that little back channel link, and you don't have to enter a code. So that's obviously even you know I think that gets you all the way up to like ninety nine percent, right? Basically, people got to have your phone or have to really get inside some other system. So it's it's good though, but I see like a lot of the, uh, you know, when you see all these you know two factor apps, authenticator apps, like more and more you're seeing um, like sometimes when you install them they'll like they'll ask you like oh do you use the service and basically it just means that they've done the background integration and you don't have to mm-hmm. enter the codes you just do the clicking which is awesome so you're starting to see more of that so actually you know for once i would say you know generally the world's getting safer on authentication like it feels ah. like it's actually happening after yeah. like, many many years of talking about it and you know I don't know, so so good. And then the, the other thing I thought was funny was uh, this is another like a real world situation. It's like, well, you know, how do uh, how do high tech services outsmart ransomware? Uh, this is what they do. They, <laughs> they pay the ransomware, which is kind of basically uh, the rule for everybody. If it's really important, 
you probably should just pay them. Uh, I know no one likes to hear that, but it's like, yeah, that's pretty much what's going on. Yeah, but but it, it, I mean that was that was my take reading the headline. But then what what the article actually got at was like some of these like ransomware solution companies they just pay it for you <laughs> and keep the difference. And I'm like, oh, some kind of it's like some happening. arbitrage going right. It's yes, like, it's like oh, you know, and then. And then at some point, of course, there's undoubtedly going to be collusion, right? So it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's Why can't we have nice things, Brandon? Well, that's true. Well, listen, you can have nice things. You just need to have your 2FA on. But if you missed out <laughs> and you didn't do your 2FA, just budget. Just budget ahead for it. You're just going to have to pay for it. Just pay the ransomware. Like, you're not getting that stuff off those computers. Buy the, pay the ransomware, then throw out all the computers. Get all, no, I should say, pay the ransomware, get all the data, get everything uh, – you know, off that you need it, right? And then, uh, and then throw out all those servers or you know, decommission those VMs because that's that's well, never going to help I, you again. Yeah, I think we had it in the the show notes last week about um, there were a series of of uh, Git Git accounts that were um, oh, that's uh, right, uh, yeah. compromised where you know people had had their uh, tokens in source control mm-hmm. and you know someone. You know, methodically went through GitLab, Bitbucket, GitHub, and found these public-facing tickets, uh, uh, tokens, and then like logged in, copied off the accounts, and deleted them off of you know off the the various uh, Git providers, and just replaced it with like you know pay me, you know five hundred dollars in Bitcoin, or I'm gonna, well first of all I'm gonna delete your code, but source control you've got it backed up. But I think the the other the the real threat was we will just open source your stuff. <laughs> I, and, and I don't mean like under an Apache license. I mean, you know, we're going to dox your private code. Um, so, you know, uh, it, there was a, a press release from, from the, you know, the three major Git vendors um, announcing that, you know, they had uh, taken efforts together and they had a unified approach, but was the unified approach paying off the ransoms or <laughs> yeah, who knows? Right. That, I have to say it was pretty, uh, you know, I don't know the, I guess the, the red team, the, the, the people stealing stuff. I mean, they get smarter and smarter. I'm like, that was a pretty savvy little way to do it. Right. Like get all the things. And then you, cause I don't know. I didn't, hadn't really thought about like, you know, repositories being erased or stolen. I was like, wow, that's actually pretty novel. You know, these people, people who want money, pretty smart, Matt, pretty smart at, at figuring <laughs> stuff out. So people who want money, they make things happen. Uh, Adam well, Smith approves. Most important, like, you know, just for you, Matt, because it's in here. It's like, well, listen, if you're in Australia, it sounds like your identity has been stolen. Because <laughs> I think you said there were 10 million people hit in a single Australian data reach. And you were saying, wasn't it? You said something like there's only 20 yeah. million people in the whole country. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. There's uh, Australia. I something. I have this bad feeling that Australia is where they like practice um, compromising systems. <laughs> like Australia does not have a great history of of uh, cybersecurity, and you know, I maybe it's because we're you know um, we're in the same time zone as a lot of hackers, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I don't even have to stay up late; I could do it during work hours. Um, I don't know. Australia's had a series of, of you know bad compromises, and this one, um, they said that they got you know ten million uh, personal, personal, personally identification, uh, you know, sets of, of uh, data for contact info, and you know they they were looting. Uh, I think it was uh, health insurance, um, which a lot of people when when Australia started putting that stuff in digital format like freaked out, and so there's a fair number of people who have opted out. Uh, and then, of course, when this happens, you know, they're like, you know, I told you so, mate. <laughs> I love it. I, love it. I just think it to myself. Was, is it is it Australia that's super? I know New Zealand is very strict on bringing in foods and animals. As like Australia, oh, they, they, they equally both strict. They both are I was just very thinking, strict. <clears throat> I was just thinking to myself, like, what's harder to uh, – or what's, what's more disciplined? Like the cybersecurity or just the border security of fruits and vegetables and pets? Fruits and veg. It's like, it's like listen, <laughs> Wait, you, you get into Australia, probably all your information, digital information is available. It's been stolen. You try to bring your dog to Australia, you better get ready. It's going to be yeah. a while. You're going to have well, – your dog's going to have to like do some <laughs> some serious testing to get into that country. Well, and and you know the, the U.S. has been posturing about blocking Huawei – you know they they've they've blocked a lot of That's Huawei right. stuff. Yeah, the Huawei America, news, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and but now they're kind of telling their partners like you can't use it either. 
and Australia like rolls out a lot of Huawei. So uh, it, that'll be interesting to see, you know, how and if that goes down, I guess. Um, just, you know, how much influence does the U.S. get to have uh, over the, you know, <laughs> the the choices of electronics, you know, of their – For everybody else, right? Like, for everybody else. Yeah. You know, it's like, is this U.S. versus Huawei? Um, so, uh, yeah, just another yeah, fun – Yeah, well, you have to, like, keep uh, – Keep the pulse on that. Like, what happens over the next? Few well, and months? and and they they you know the, the the funny thing is like Huawei makes some nice electronics that you don't really see you know you don't see in the U.S. But you know I, I see like uh, they've got some really nice laptop lines and some phones that are you know high powered and I don't know uh, that was one of the things the chef conference Adam Jacob had a, a slight technical issue uh, with his Huawei laptop. That you know, he's like, they tell me it's full of spyware, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm probably not gonna switch over to a Huawei laptop just yet. I, I like my, uh, my spying domestic, I guess. Yeah, well, I think it just comes down to it. It's just you know, it's another thing to worry about, right? And it's like, well, it'll just be easy just not to buy it. But it will be. I don't know. I'm really interested to see because it's always a second order effects. Okay, now that the U.S. has made the stance, kind of what you're getting into. It's like, well, what do other countries do, right? And then what does that mean? And then you know, like I think the whole Android thing is fascinating because they're like, well, you know, you know, essentially they don't charging in Europe. And... Yeah. Well, also too, they can't. They've been um, how how what. Huawei has been, you know, kind of like they can't use the a licensed version of Android. So now you're basically telling them they have to use the source version of Android and then they can't use the Google Play Store, which in effect is going to make them create their own store, right? And you're like, oh, oh I'm sure like, they already had their own store. Yeah, and yeah. well, you just kind of think through that. You're like, okay, like, wait a minute. Did we end up where we, you know, it's like, is this good? Is like now we have two competing stores and you have one in China and it's got a lot of people in it. And it's like, I don't know. It just, you just kind of look ahead. You're like, hmm, I don't know if this is what, the intended outcome was like i don't know if that's yeah. what everybody wants but i don't know lot, lots of, lots to of play out there over time yeah yeah so. definitely all right well matt we'll talk we'll talk about it briefly i just i had just one comment because I, I read three articles this week or videos they're all about building software so one was uh like there's a good talk you can listen to like how netflix thinks about devops they talk about it amazon there's an article that uh, has this idea about how they build software and they have this idea of like home and away teams. Like if I'm the home team, I own a service, but an away team can come in and like add stuff yeah. to my service, which I think is cool. So that was good to, to, to talk about. And then there's this other uh, conversation I heard about with a Microsoft programmer and just kind of talking about the problem of software and scale. And so, you know, all of these things in themselves, I think are interesting to talk about, but like, I guess my whole point of like putting this in here and, and doing some thinking about it was, was very simple was, Oftentimes, like we, everyone talks about like Scrum and Agile, and we get interested in these methodologies. But then, what these articles happen is a little halo effect. Like, a company is successful, and then they're doing something different, right? They're like building on some idea, right? And what I think, and I think what happens, and I think Spotify is another one that gets talked about. The Spotify model, like you search on that, you'll see a lot of different people talking about that. And I think, I think people, what people are missing is like the key takeaway is like I think is every situation is different. Right. And mm -hmm. the fact that like, you know, like this idea of like some type of agile development is very mainstream. But, you know, the most successful companies are then doing something beyond that that works for them. And probably like the what what I think I think of the world, the way people should be thinking about it is like it's fine to know about what those other companies are doing. And that may be helpful to you. But like that really shouldn't take away your own creativity about like what you should be doing for your specific well, organization. Like that yeah. to me is the main thing that's missed it's all and i think we could even get outside of like building software and just talk about like the amazon six page memo and press release thing it's like that is a good thinking that i think works really well for them that may or may not work in your situation right but that doesn't mean you can't come up with something in your organization that's very custom that really works the way that you're working that maybe draws on this idea uh from some of these other things um so so my whole thing about all these things is like i think these articles need to end with like hey don't be afraid to try to like expand how you're doing software development and try some stuff that's going to work out for you rather than just having some executive or anybody send these links around like this is the cure all for your organization. It's probably not well, going to cure any problems for your organization. But but also you can't say uh that's Amazon, we can't do that. 
you know, or because that that's what I generally see. I, I I was actually talking about the the Amazon article with a, a large enterprise yesterday, you know, this week, and uh, you know, I mentioned in that article it says all the Amazon teams are encouraged to use. You know, they, they, they use the public APIs and public interfaces of other Amazon products, but they don't have chargeback, right? So if you're developing some project at AWS and you're like, we're going to need a million S3 buckets, they're like, go for it, right? There's none of this like, well, you need to talk to your manager and get this approval and blah, blah, blah. It's just like, we don't want that internal friction to exist. And, you know, and I, I brought this up with an enterprise and they were just like, that is such a fantasy. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, are you know, are you are you silo versus silo? Are you, you know, united as a company? And and that's, you know, so, somehow you have to un, unblock a lot of these things and but the problem is a lot of large enterprises look at, you know, these stories about unicorns and they're like, well, we're donkeys, man. <laughs> and, you know, you can't get in that mindset uh, as as you know, you can't give up. I guess. Right. And is... I, I think you hit on it. The thing that I, I liked about in your statement there and the thing that I think these these uh, articles I'll talk about is friction. Like another way to think of these is like, hey, we're all doing some type of agile development or some type of iterative thing. Right. I think that's generally very mainstream. But but there's always going to be friction points in any large organization. Like if you just abstract this away. So what I think bo all these articles talk about are, hey, and I think Netflix is the same way. Hey, hey, we thought about the friction points that exist in our organization, right? And then we went another step forward to say, here are some things that we're going to do unique to our organization that, you know, get away, get rid of some of the friction points and we're going to live with others. So in the case of Amazon, in that article, they talk about like, there's a lot of redundant stuff, right? Like it's fine. Uh -huh, they, uh -huh. And they also talk about like, there's not like, you can kind of use anything. Like there's lots of technology, like every team. And so that's fine. So like the friction is, uh, friction point was like, hey, you know, to your point about APIs and there's no friction around using resources, but there is going to actually be a lot of friction around like technology stack and legacy stuff, right? That's something that they're okay with. They're just like, well, we're going to live they, with it. Yeah, they, they are willing to live with tech debt until it you know impedes progress right. and a lot of places uh, um they think they need to tackle the tech debt before they actually need to tackle it but the part you know, that I, I, guess... I really like about is just like being explicit with like your thinking there it's like we're gonna live with tech debt and we're gonna uh and so we'll live with whatever friction that imposes but we're gonna lower the friction or reduce friction to like anyone can you know use these apis and there aren't any you know if you will constraints around getting new resources to try stuff right so it's like okay so you could be in a different organization and you could say like okay well let, let, let's flip that around say like the tech debt is just killing us right it is and you know what well then that's so your point may be it's like hey anyone can go through and clean up this tech debt or you have other teams kind of constantly doing it right we can think of scenarios or ways that like we could address that and uh, that could introduce some other friction though it's like hey we're not getting to some new features right because of the tech debt but like we're being well, explicit in our thinking about what is the problem we're trying to solve there but but also all the all of the code is available to all the other teams so if someone else's tech debt is in you know slowing you down you could actually send them like look guys i know you're busy here's a patch that fixes you know xyz for you guys um you know because it was impacting us and and to again that's another kind of silo that i see in, in large enterprises like they for whatever reason don't even want to share how they work i mean well, that just you know, there, there, there's all sorts of layers there. Some places don't even have source control, <laughs> but but then like some places, every group has their own source control. You know, I I mean, I literally one of one of the companies I've worked with, they've got you know CVS, GitLab, Bitbucket, GitHub Enterprise, GitHub, SVN, <laughs> well, and, and as well as you know dot back and you know dot back date stamp. <laughs> Well, they're going to uh, when they come to uh, Enterprise Prod Conference. There's going to be a, a section on social. Oh, control. there's going to be oh, a yeah. whole session for them. Yes, yeah, going to be a whole a whole thing with them. But uh, but we'll leave it there on that one. I guess it's sort of like I think these articles are all like are in the videos. They're all fun to watch. They're good to think. But uh, but again, I just wanted to give the meta point. The meta point is, and I think you said it best. Like, don't give in. Right? You don't have to be one of these unicorns. Um, but like, think. And I'm gonna. I'll just take your point. Like, think about the friction points that exist in your organization, and if those are you're willing to live with them, great. If not. There's like you are probably in a position to think of some process like an away team or 
all these things that are talked about or the Spotify model, right? Because that's, that's where all of those things came from. People were just trying to figure out some problem, and then they, came, they eventually kind of hit on a solution, and then they gave it a name. So it's like I would not be afraid of any of these organizations to be like, okay, we're going to try this, and if it gets enough – uh, pool, right? We'll give it some kind of name and then you can write an article or you can give a conference talk about like, well, this is how we did it and this is why we did it. And and that would be more interesting than just, uh, again, like your exa- executive or management sending around like another link from Netflix. It's like, okay, like we've, we've been there. <laughs> we, we get it. We, we get, get it. it. We understand. We're going to pivot. We're going to pivot from banking to video streaming. Okay. <laughs> That's right. We're going. That's right. We're all going to uh, to watch movies. So, all right. Well, Matt, let's see. Um, you're at Chef Comp now, so I doubt. Yeah. Uh, but what if I miss Chef Comp? Is there another conference I could go to? What, what, <laughs> what, what, what's coming up? Uh, so we have a, a Chef Comp London. Um, a slightly different conference, but uh, same a lot of the same great people. London, um, oh, we should also say England not going to be in Bre- not they will not have resolved brexit so you're gonna well, i think I, I think they pushed it back because they heard chef conference yeah coming. that's what i say so you're good don't worry everyone can go to <laughs> chef conf don't worry about brexit uh for now yeah uh <laughs> but uh yeah so so chef conf london um i am still not expecting to go so uh, <laughs> uh have a good time let me know how it goes but uh that's that's quite the long haul from from sydney Yep. And then uh, Cote, if he were here, he would tell you something like, if you're hearing this right now, which is impossible, you should be watching him talk somewhere in, I think, in Paris. But because uh, he's at a Spring One tour, but there's some other Spring One tours coming up. So the next ones that are coming up are San Francisco, June 4th and 5th, Atlanta, the 13th and 14th. And then there's a whole bunch of U.S. cities. So uh, I'm going to recommend San Francisco there. Like, I mean, again, Atlanta, there's not much there. Go to San Francisco. That'll be more fun. Uh, and then uh, – Mocktoberfest. Uh, I guess that's uh, October third and fourth. So they're looking call for papers. Um, so you should send Stephen O'Grady like a long email. Send him like a really long email and be like, "This is what I want. Uh, this is what I want to present." He'll, and who knows if it's really good? Maybe he'll uh, he'll hook you up and he'll give you a slot. And then uh, there's a DevOps Day. It's uh, what up? In, I think it's in Minneapolis. It's going to be August sixth to the seventh. And you can get fifty dollars off with the code SDT twenty nineteen. Again, that's SDT twenty nineteen. Uh, and if you uh, don't remember anything I said, don't worry. It's all in the show notes, and you can see everything there. Uh, not a ton of uh, user feedback. I did uh, correspond with our friends in, in uh, the Netherlands a little bit. He really enjoyed my pronunciation of uh, his street. You know, <laughs> For good and, or bad? Uh, you know, I, 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 I think good effort. Good effort is what maybe what he'll say. And he actually gave me the whole translation. It's like, man, the Dutch, their words mean a lot. Like one word <laughs> can mean a lot in Dutch. So, uh, but of course, if uh, you don't have a software defined talk sticker and you want one, what you can do is email your postal address at stickers at software defined talk dot com, and I will send you a sticker, and we can send them anywhere in the world, every country, every continent. I don't know if anyone's in Australia is listening. Let's try it. Send me the address. I think it'll get there. Uh, and then, you know, one other quick plug for the last one. It's like, yeah, you should go listen to the Adam Jacob interview. Well, I think that was the definitive interview about his world of open source and all his time at Chef. Probably be a good time. So go check that out. Uh, Matt, you got a recommendation for us this week? Uh, yeah, yeah. Had uh, a fairly, fairly long flight on my way over here and caught up on uh, some some TV watching and uh, binge watched about uh, uh, half the new season of American Gods. So the, the Neil Gaiman book. Uh, if you missed it, has been turned into a, a three-season series on Amazon and Stars, I think, and uh, really high production quality, really good stuff. Um, definitely, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So uh, that's that's my recommendation for the week. Yeah, I know Cote really likes that that book. Uh, I yep. can't remember we ended up talking about it, and I think he also uh, has been trying to make his way through the series. So. I don't know, man. Man, I need to go back and try it again. It's like it's weird. The, the, it's a little yeah, weird. I mean, the book's a little it's, weird. It's 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 the so it's a series. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh yeah, but it's definitely thought provoking. I don't know. I yes. mean, if nothing else, you won't leave the book like oh, wow, never you know, wow, that was boring. It's more like huh, what's going on there? So, <laughs> all right, well, I'm gonna go the other way. My recommendation this week, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take a very unpopular opinion on something. Okay, everyone's writing about Facebook and you know. Uh, and, uh, and we're not going to get into all the Facebook issues uh, here. I'm going to just tell you that, like, you know what I do love about Facebook? Facebook Marketplace. It's really Facebook Marketplace where you just post things that you want to buy or sell. 
I have bought and sold so many things lately, and more. My wife has also done it, like kids' toys, electronics, random furniture. It is just, it, you know, because Craigslist is just like it's always like the little sketchy, right? Like what's going on there. But Facebook, mm-hmm. you kind of get a sense of like it's. It really is just a catalog, and you kind of see a sense like. The, at least these people's profile pictures, which sort of gives you some like, maybe fake confidence in them. But then, um, and then also, I like the fact that like, it's very easy geographically to see, like, if something's close to you and it's real cheap. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. So, like, I don't know, man. I find it like, I find myself almost going to Facebook Market now as, like, instead of going to Amazon first, go there and just be like, is someone selling uh-huh. a, a slightly used version of this? Because the other thing is, just every, we all, everybody, me included, we all have too much stuff. And a lot of it hasn't been used. So so I would say, like, I mean, I know it's probably unpopular. Uh, and I don't really – I guess it's like when I think about, like, utility versus entertainment. Like, I don't really get on Facebook and, like, read the news feed much anymore. Not because no. I'm even against it. It's just like, I don't know. I just don't – it's just not that interesting to me. But, like, Facebook Marketplace has a lot of utility for me. It's just like I get in there. I can sell crap I don't need. Uh, like, yesterday my wife sold a bike. She hadn't used much. We got some money for it. And, like, she was so excited just because it's, like, it's, like, free money. Even though, like, you paid for it a long time ago, you're just like, <laughs> you're just like man, I was about to just give this thing away. Or it was just sitting around, and now I feel like I got some free money. So, uh, so yeah, so, so Good- hopefully. Goodwill's got to hate it, right? Yeah, Goodwill. That's true. Goodwill is suffering. But it's all right. Well, if you're not going to do that, give it to Goodwill. That's always a good one. So uh, so that's my, my pick, Facebook market. Don't, don't – uh, don't hate me because I like Facebook Marketplace. Uh, what else? Uh, final things here. So listen, if you like uh, like this, of course you can follow us on. Uh, we got links to the Twitter, the Instagram, the LinkedIn. Matt Ray is even on Instagram. Unbelievable, he's in. So you can even uh, link up with him. More, more, more read than write, but yeah. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> At least you're there. At least you can find you. And then um, we mentioned it a couple times before. If you're interested, go to uh, softwaredefinedtalk.com, and you'll see a little link there for Slack, and you can join it. Thanks to no SSH JJ who hooked us up. You put in your email address. You get an email inviting you to our Slack. Uh, always enjoy the Slack. It's uh, a combination of uh, there's some really good technical discussions. There's always some talk about Australia and just other random topics. So I, I don't know. Like I will say this: somebody put some question. I think you can put any kind of question into the software defined talk Slack, and you'll get answers. Like I don't know if they're always good. <laughs> like an answer, an opinion will be wait, rendered. wait, wait. Someone's providing opinions on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good. But it usually has like, like a lot of information, though, too. There's some other stuff. I yeah. even lost track of it. A lot of sharp, uh, lot of sharp uh, Yeah, a lot of, a lot of really uh... – and then finally, so if this is the first time you've ever listened to Software Defined Talk, well, welcome. You know, we are glad to have you. But go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, and you can, of course, subscribe using uh, any one of your v- favorite podcast players. And with that, we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.